Welcome to hell, Punky, please don't lock yourself. Oh God, where can Punky lock herself? Punky, Punky, please don't go into the spring, Punky. Punky, don't lock yourself in the trash compactor, Punky. God, that's, oh, that's oh, horrible. Damn it, Mike. That's horrible. I'm saving it, but that's horrible. And now you know what I'm going to do with let's enhance.io. Oh, Punky Brewster looks so adorable in a trash compactor. Oh, no. Uh, Greg, Greg, start the show. Start okay. the show. All right. An anthology about the bad, the short lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is. It was a thing on TV. Punisher, control! Tell me before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode 420, submission 2392. Invitation to Hell. Invitation to Hell was a made-for that aired on ABC Primetime the night of May 24th, 1984. And fun fact, guys, this movie aired one day before I was born. Mama Diener took one look at this movie and said, Hospital. Now! I'll have you know, my mom is a big fan of all my children. So she probably did watch this. You know what? Kudos. We should all be fans of all my children. Because guess who's in this movie? Oh, yeah. Erica Kane herself. La Lucci. Susan La Lucci. Lu- Susan La Lucci. La Lucci. La Lucci. And I don't know if V, the miniseries on NBC, took a cue from this. Greg, you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah, where she's wearing, like, at the beginning, the red outfit. Yeah. But hold on a second. I have an explanation. Because you know who directed this. Who directed this? The master of horror himself, Wes Craven. The guy who did Scream directed this? The guy who did Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, I have an explanation for why it probably is. Because this same year, he did this. He did a Nightmare on Elm Street. And you know who was in a Nightmare on Elm Robert England. Fred Krueger. And you know, he was also in V, Robert England. So, I'm not saying Wes Craven was a fan of V, but he definitely was a fan of V. I'm seeing what's going on here. Wes Craven took one look at that and said, you know what? I'll make my own V. With blackjack and hookers! So, aside from the obvious, what is this movie about? We have, obviously, Susan Lucci in the Jane Badler role as the field leader of whatever this is. Because they're not aliens. They're demons. They're demons. They are hell-spawned demons. Quite literally. This is literally an invitation to hell. So who's getting the invitation to hell? It's a family of four. An all-American family of four. We're talking about the Winslow family. Matt Winslow is executive in charge of special projects at a company called Microdigitech, which is the 80th 80s computer company that ever 80s, if you ask me. That is the shittiest name for our company, Microdigitech. That is no imagination. You might as well just say, hey, look at me. I work with computers. Anyway... Played by Robert Urich, of course, he of Vegas, Spencer for Hire, and Future Entry. Love both the next wave. No, you mean Future Entry, Lazarus Man. Thank you, adorable little girl. His wife, Pat Winslow, played by Joanna Cassidy. Oh, geez. She, Greg, she's just making her Hall of Fame case. Yeah, it's like she's having like a Nick Castellanos type postseason right now. 
in the last three to four weeks. See how timely I am with the Nick Castellanos reference? I see that. By the way, congratulations to the Philadelphia Phillies for moving on to the NLCS. <laughs> now, there are two kids, also known entities, playing the big brother, Robbie Winslow, Barrett Oliver, you know, the guy who isn't Noah Hathaway in The NeverEnding Story. You don't look like Jonathan Brandis to me. And playing the younger sister, Chrissy Winslow, Soleil Moonfry. Legend. All right, guys. Let's just get this all out of our systems. All right. Punker. Punker? Oh, punker. Don't go into space, punker. Oh, that's no fun compared to last week with the microwave. No, it's Punker. Please don't put yourself in the trash compactor, Punker. Oh, and now check the chat. Go to your room, Mike! Oh, look how cute she is. Go to your room right now! It looks like Soleil Moonfry if she was a brat stall. That's what I'm saying! She looks so adorable! That too. That's a good call. But look at her. She's just surrounded by trash. And for once, I'm not talking about George Gaines. Oh, I'm sorry. Rest in peace, George Gaines. Okay, so that's the family. But there are more people on the cast. We have playing the role of Tom Peterson, Joe Regalbudo, who we talked about in previous entry, Ace Crawford, Private Eye, but of course, known primarily for Murphy Brown, playing Mr. Thompson. Now... It's not that one. It's the other one. The other one. The one we talk about on a regular. Kevin McCarthy. Not the other Kevin McCarthy. That other Kevin McCarthy, I think, is like on the unemployment line, I think. This is the one from UHF and previous entry, What's Alan Watching? It was What's Alan Watching, right? He wasn't on What's Alan Watching. Oh. He was on something we talked about that was funny. Probably. All I know is he was on UHF and he was a heel. Oh, oh. he was the ultimate heel in UHF. Oh, he was in the Weird Al show. Okay. That makes sense. He was a heel then, too. He was a bad man. Bad man. And then we have, as Mary Peterson, Patty McCormick, best known for her roles in <sighs> previous entry, The Ropers. Oh, jeez. And if you remember her as Pat Nixon in Frost Nixon, then you have a better memory than we do. I'll remember her as Jeffrey Tambor's wife on The Ropers. All right. So... Now that we know who's getting an invitation to hell, how do we get to hell? Because right now, hell looks like suburbia. And I'm not just being coy this time. But hold on. Should we play the opening sequence to Invitation to Hell? Just so you get an idea. Because you might not get an idea from the audience. But I just wanted to show how freaking insane this movie is in the first couple of minutes. Okay, here we go. Regular old country club. Oh yeah, it's just a normal, normal past country club. Oh look, there's Susan Lucci right there. There's some guy, what looks like the family truckster from National Lampoon's Vacation. Wood panel suburban. Steaming Springs Country Club is the name of this place. Ooh, there's a lot of things steaming. And here we have Lionel Stander as Max. You better be careful because this job is murder. Is murder. Oh, he's distracted by some pretty ladies and then... oh. 
runs over Susan and Lucci, and then what? What? What the what? She melted his face off. That's right. She melted his face off. Now, you guys can't see it, but his face melting off is in my Zoom background. <laughs> and Mike, do you want to say what it says on the bottom below this? Still better than Blooper. Yeah. Still better than the Atlanta Braves mascot. Still better than the entire Braves organization, if you ask me. So... This guy's face just melting off. So suffice it to say, Susan Lucci, how do I put this? She's evil. She's evil. She's the devil incarnate. But not many people know this. Except, of course, the employees of Steaming Springs Country Club. Which just got four new members, it would appear. Four new members? Four new members. Well... Four new prospective members. Ooh. That would be Matt Winslow, his wife Patricia, and their friends, Mary and Tom Peterson. I should say friends and or co-workers. Because, you know, Tom Peterson was the guy who got Matt Winslow on board to the project. Oh yeah, he At- recruited him to this yeah. company. Micro Digitech. Again, a really crappy name for a company. But it wasn't about computers per se. Although this is a computer company, they are dipping their well into other things. For example, a thermally reinforced state-of-the-art, one-of-its-kind, ahead-of-its-kind spacesuit. Oh, they have this reinforced spacesuit that's supposed to withstand like any temperature. That's going to become important later. Yeah, it seems like it's very convenient to the plot of this movie. Hashtag Chekhov's gun. All right, so the Winslows, they move into their nice suburban bungalow. Stucco walls, clay-tiled roofs, the whole nine. Very Southern California in the 80s. Of course, who's there to greet them? Mary and Tom Peterson. And that first night is nothing short of X-rated. Or as X-rated as you can get in primetime television. Yeah. By the way, speaking of computers, did we mention that Robbie Winslow loves computers? Oh, he really loves computers. He loves computers so much. I bet you he's a whiz at Commodore 64. Or that, you know, pre-IMAX sort of dealy that, you know, all one sort of console with the... I wish I knew what the name of it was. Though. Apple II? No, the Apple II wasn't all one console. It looks like the iMac, but, you know, it has its own, like, keyboard built in. I want to say it's a VIC-20, but I don't know. So, the next day, Tom and Matt carpool to work where they, oh, wow. They take a look at the suit that Matt is helping to design. And like Greg said, part of the uh, beauty of the suit is not only can it take a whole lot of heat, it can give a whole lot of heat. Oh, it can give a whole lot of heat, if you know what I mean. Everything to keep you alive. And it's up to Matt to put on the final touches. So yeah, it just, you know, seems like a suit that is quite ahead of its time. So while Matt is at work, hard at work on his suit, the rest of the family is just stuck in their own little world. Robbie's on his little I don't even want to call it an iPad but that's what it looks like. It looks like an iPad 20 years before the iPad. And the thing is 
Robbie does not have any friends because Robbie is a computer geek. And we have not reached that point in our lives where computer geeks are not just welcome. They are cherished. We haven't reached that point yet. We're still on whiz kids, mitz bits of science sort of thing. Don't worry, give it about another 20 years. By the way, his favorite game, Astro Bomber. Oh, nice. Astro Bomber. Yeah, he doesn't have much in the way of friends because, well, the rest of the kids are just... How can I put this? They're jerks. I was going to say strange, but... Yeah, let's go with the jerks. They're very violent jerks. So, now that the family has some spare time, they go out for a drive and uh, accidentally run into Susan Lucci. Yes. Who, by the way, Susan Lucci plays Jessica Jones. Not that Jessica Jones, but a Jessica Jones, who is a local insurance agent and director of the... Steaming Springs Country Club. An insurance agent, that's what we're calling her. An insurance agent. An insurance agent. So not only is she an insurance agent, she also owns and runs the Steamboat Springs, the Steaming Springs. Steamboat Springs is an actual place. Steaming Springs, not so much. But yeah, Jessica Jones lures people to make a deal with the devil by playing with their desires. By the way, while all of this is happening, the Petersons are going into the Steaming Springs Country Club. No, there's actually Steaming Springs in the Steaming Springs Country Club. Oh! Yeah. She invites them to the spring, to the protective forces of the spring. And what do they do in the protective forces of the spring? Nobody knows. Oh. They go into the room where the smoke is coming out of, and then the room is sealed off. Never to be opened. At least until Jessica wants them to open it. Not many people know what goes on in that room. Least of which is Matt. But right now, nobody is aware of anything. At least not anybody in the Winslow family. So while they are in the spring... Matt is testing out the helmet of the spacesuit. And it gives this whole, you know, heads up sort of doom like display. Like it can identify humans and non human life forms, and also whether or not they pose an existential threat. Oh, that would be really helpful if, like, an astronaut's like on Mars or something. I'm sure that's not going to come into play later in the movie, too. And After the uh, test of the helmet, which, by the way, is a success, Matt runs into the secretary, a lady by the name of Grace, who gives Matt files and a reel, and she wants him to take a look at everything. Take a look at everything on this reel. Please. Don't ask any questions. Don't try to understand. Just take a look at everything. Now, the head of the company, who's Kevin McCarthy, head of the company, Mr. Thompson, introduces Matt to Jessica Jones, Again. And she can't help but notice that Grace is looking at her. Hmm. 
Jessica Jones does not want to know about the suit. She would like to know what is on Matt's mind. What makes him tick? What's his story? She wants something to, you know, poke at. Oh, poke at. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. And then we take a look inside the helmet when Jessica Jones walks past it. You know what it says? What does it say, Chico? Non-human malignant. What? Non-human malignant. Now, Matt does not know this because he is walking over to Tom's office. And Tom is acting a little bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he used to be this exciting, dynamic person. Now he's oh, just yeah. cool. Now he's just cool. He's like, yeah, you know, I got this big office. I got this nice title. Whatever. Yeah. I'm doing hookers and blow right now. Because 1984, y'all. And the thing of it is, Matt is not at all certain that this is the job for him. And Tom is basically like, you know what's going to set you right? Going to the club. You must go to this country club. There's a lot of hot happening at this country club. You know you wanna. My family joined. They take Good care of us. And hey, they'll take care of you too. They'll take really good care of you, Matt. Meanwhile, at home, we have the kids, we have Patricia, and it just so happens that the Petersons have a new car too. Oh, wow. They got a new car. You got a new car. You know who can give you a new car? Me, you son of a... No, you already had your episode this week, Ghost of Johnny Olsen. Get out of here. Well, who else can give you a car? The folks at Steaming Springs Country Club. Oh, yeah. These folks at Steaming Springs Country Club, they spared no expense. So, after much thought, Matt goes downstairs that night and notices that Tom's son is watching really, really violent movies and being incredibly creepy about it. The next day, Grace, the secretary, is not at work. Instead, we have this lady by the name of Tracy who says that Mr. Thompson let her go. Doesn't this all... Reed is oh. kind of weird. Yeah, none of this makes any sense whatsoever. Matt finds this kind of weird, too. He's like, this is weird. And he talks to Mr. Thompson about it, and Mr. Thompson says, here at Micro Digitech, we value complete loyalty. Oh, so he's just like the congressman Kevin McCarthy then. And Mr. Thompson suggests to Matt, Tom says, you're thinking of joining Steaming Springs. Matt gets the tour of the place from Mary and Tom. And, oh, look, it's Jessica Jones again. Matt's thinking, this is on my ass about wanting to join this stupid club. And Tom's like, come on, talk to her. You're as good as in. You're a shoo-in. You should talk to her. And, of course, because this is Susan Lucci and anything to get Susan Lucci from 1984 into a swimsuit. Seems like oh. everybody at the club has already heard some good things about him. Never mind that he doesn't know anyone. Huh. It's weird. So, Patricia, after going through everything with Matt, she decides that she wants to join and she and the kids go into the room with the spring. That smoky room that looks really, 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 really dangerous. Oh yeah, that scary-ass room. Meanwhile, Matt decides to do some sneaking around, trying to figure out what on earth is so hot about this club 
that they want me to be a part of it. Yeah, why is everyone on my ass about wanting to join this club? Well, he discovers the spring. The spring. And is way too hot to the touch. And uh-oh. 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 Yeah, Jessica Jones finds him peeking around where he shouldn't be peeking around. And she asks a question that you should never, ever hear if you suspect anything. Don't you trust me? Now, whenever someone says, don't you trust me, that is a sign. An automatic sign right there that you should not trust this person. So Matt and Patricia have a fight. And this is like right before Patricia decides to have lunch with Jessica. You can only imagine where this will lead. Well, after lunch, at least they uh, kiss and make up. So, you know, Patricia, the next day, meets up with Jessica notices how lovely everything is, how wonderful it is, and why Matt is so frightened about everything. Well, I mean, isn't it obvious? Now, the club has this rule. Families must join as a unit. Jessica's willing to overlook this rule just this once. And so, Patricia, Robbie, and Chrissy go into the steaming spring... I believe the word is enter into the spring and taste its power. Oh, taste its power, huh? They are really hesitating about this. It's like, you'll be fine. By the way, Jessica takes Chrissy herself. Oh, no, that is not cool. You do not do that to Slay Moon Front. I will You're not hurting stand me! No, no, no. So that evening, Matt comes home from work and notices that it's awfully quiet, a little too quiet. And that the house is neat, a little too neat. And that the family is questioning why Matt hasn't joined the club yet. And the dog, by the way, the family does have a dog. His name is Albert. And he's a good dog. He's a good dog. Yeah. He comes into the room and starts barking his face off. Dog's like, me no like them, they look shifty. Me no like him look, him look shifty. Matt just cannot put his finger on whatever's wrong. So maybe Tom will help him. But it all comes back to, you know what'll help you out? Do you want to know what'll help you out? Yeah, if you join this club, everything will be a... And he's like, B I don't want to be in this club. But it just feels like my families are a bunch of strangers. Well, hey. Maybe a trip to the club will make you understand that they don't have to be strangers. You really have a hard-on about me joining this club, don't you? And then, the phone rings. Okay. Pay attention, because this is going to be important. On the phone is a Mr. Henderson, Grace's husband. It should be noted that Mr. Henderson is played by Bill Irwin, who was a that guy in that thing in many movies and TV shows. He notably played the character of Sidney Fields in three episodes of Seinfeld and was on a season four episode of the original Quantum Leap back in 1991. He is a veterinarian. And according to him, gotta wait for the secretary to leave the room. I don't trust her either. But according to the veterinarian, his wife came in with the dog wanting the dog to be put down because of a brain tumor, he looked at the dog and found absolutely nothing wrong with it. Walt keeps a hold of the dog and basically hides it from Patricia. 
who is insisting that the dog is euthanized. Or, as he would put it, put it out of his misery. Which is odd, because Pat loves the dog. Yeah, it's so weird. Why would she all of a sudden not like this dog? A better question is, why would she want to watch it being put down? Yeah, that's like sickening. And so, Matt gets his dog back. All of a sudden, things get curiouser and curiouser. Oh? Yeah. Matt returns home, and it looks completely different. It's like, is this my house? It's like the Talking Head song coming to life. It's like, this is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. Oh boy, you ain't lying. Oh god. It gets even better. Patricia is now wearing a strappy number. A black, a little black strappy number. Similar to what Jessica would often wear. Matt confronts Pat about Albert getting euthanized. And all she wants is for you to spend more time with the children. But just give us a little more of yourself. And she says this with a knife in her hand. So after a little bit of prodding, Matt gets Pat to put the knife down. So later that night, while the family's asleep, Matt decides to do a little more sleuthing. He's going to get his inner Sherlock Holmes on to figure this out. And he gets intercepted by Patricia, who is ready to get down to the business of getting down. Oh! This is getting down. And the moment they decide to throw themselves in the throes of passion... Matt can tell Pat is not really acting like herself. Oh, gee, what made him think that? So the next day, Matt calls up Walt and finds out something disturbing. Grace is dead. According to the highway patrol, she fell asleep at the wheel. That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Apparently, the car burned and there wasn't anything left. This is... No, no, nothing about this makes any sense. This is all bizarre. And you want to talk about really bizarre? Patty learned how to play the piano seemingly overnight. And it's not the same piano that they moved in with. This, no, this, nothing about this makes any sense. Yeah, Chico, it's 1984. It's not like it's 1991 and you could learn how to play piano on the Miracle Piano on Nintendo. So Matt breaks into the office and notices that the binder that Grace gave him, it's missing. But he still has the reel. So he looks up key employment movements within Microdigitech in the past two years of upper echelon personnel. Wayne Atherton was promoted. Albert Altern promoted. Everybody's getting promoted. How many members were of Steaming Springs Country Club? All of them. So it's obvious the key to get promoted in this high-tech company is to get into this hot club. Nice choice of words there, Greg. Really nice. So Matt decides to break into the country club. You know, if you really wanted to come in, Jessica would have let you in. Of course, Matt will never keep her eyes off of him. But anyway, now the country club is setting up for a Halloween party that Tom is throwing. Matt takes this opportunity to sneak into the spring and use a thermometer because, remember... This is a very hot room. How hot? We'll find out as he breaks into the room. 
the thermometer reads, and I'm watching this on my phone so I know, 800 degrees Fahrenheit. It's essentially a rotisserie in there. Or a pizza oven. A pizza rotisserie. <laughs> and somebody finds him, and they have it out in the storage closet. But Matt gets the better of him, and electrocutes him. Ouch. Matt returns home as fast as he can. And for some reason, Chrissy is acting out. Oh, yeah. Because she's stabbing the bunny, right? She's she's stabbing. He's like, no, bad bunny. Even though bad bunny's not going to be a thing for another 40 years. Hey, you leave bad bunny's name out of this. Hey, Bad Bunny's hosting Saturday Night Live. He's been doing stuff with WWE. He's on top of the world. Well, she takes a moment out of stabbing her stuffed bunny to say, Hi, Dad. Matt wrestles Chrissy to the ground and says, You're not my daughter. When she starts, you know, (laughs) But I am your daughter. Now you can see why Soleil Moonfry got the Punky Booster Gigger there. So Matt locks Demonic Chrissy into a closet. But then... And it <laughs> then comes Demonic Robbie! Demonic Robbie comes jumping off from the stairs. Jumping off the top rope. Here. Put him in the closet. Yeah. Y'all fight amongst yourselves. Demonic right. Wife wants to get in on the action. Where's my family? Where's my family, you son of a bitch? There's only one way that Matt can possibly solve this. He needs the suit. And guess who he finds waiting for him as he puts the suit on? He's basically saying, I'm just running some more tests on the suit, Tom. What's wrong? You're not one of us, Matt. You had your chance and you blew it. And oh look, he's got a gun and everything. You know who else has a gun? Who? Matt's suit. Why is there a gun in Matt's astronaut suit? You ever been in space? That's some dangerous shit. You gotta be strapped, man. So Matt uses the suit as sort of a costume. He disguises his voice as Tom's. You know, the Tom that he killed Yeah, with the laser in the suit. And he uses the sort of heads-up display to see who's real and who's fake. Everybody's fake. Oh, everybody in this club. That figures. It figures why everyone got promoted. They're all a bunch of phonies. Big fat phonies. Yeah. $10 million suit, by the way, in a complete fit of absolute non-irony. One of the people in the costume ball is dressed as a literal Nazi. Yeah. Like, that doesn't hit it right on the nose. This demon... From hell is literally dressed up as a Nazi. And if that doesn't work, then certainly the lady dressed as the devil, who is actually the devil, if you don't get it from that. So yeah, he sneaks into the spring to look for his family. Guess who follows him? I'll give you a hint. She's dressed in red and she's not human. He goes into the spring with his suit to look for his family and Jessica follows him. And Jessica's like, oh Matt, you know, you could just join this club and like everything will be all so great. By the way, the temperature rising. Oh God. Turns out the spring is literally a portal to hell. Oh my god. That's right. Hell is real, and it's in Southern California. 
it makes sense that hell would be in Southern California, especially if you've been there during a normal summer in Southern California. Am I right? <laughs> Guilty. And while Matt is in hell, he hears the wailing of the condemned saying, save us, save us. So yeah, how is he going to, you know, oh God, Soleil Moonfry is in hell too. No, not Soleil Moonfry. Everybody's in hell. And Jessica's like, those are just an illusions. You're hearing things. Don't do it. You'll be broken to bits. And he's like, well, I'm f***ed anyway. Whee! I'm going into hell with my heat-resistant spacesuit. Woo! And he jumps into the precipice. And all of a sudden, he's in another dimension. He has absolutely no idea where it is. I mean, yeah, it looks like Steaming Springs, but it's not. And you know how I know this? Because everything's all negative imaged. That's how you know we're in another dimension. Yeah, it's in a crappy-ass filter. That's how you know we're not in the real world anymore. And we enter his house, and Patricia is playing the piano like a woman possessed. Jessica follows him. And she's about to lay some truth on this. Everybody who went into the spring did so willingly. How would you like to free yourself? By the way, oh. don't go into that room. Not even your suit can shield you. Oh, no. He takes his helmet off, throws it at Jessica, and takes his chance at the... Uh, mystery room and it just so happens that Patricia is at a force field actually his entire family is in a force field he can look he can't touch if he tries to touch boom now Jessica says if you touch the force field you'll be blown to bits now think about this Jessica has lied about everything so far. How do we not know that she's not lying about this? She tempts Matt with money, power, prestige. Matt was like, I don't want money. I don't want power. I want my family back. Jessica's like, I can damn you to eternity. And Matt's like, I'm ready to call your bluff on that because, frankly, all you can do is tease and tempt me. The choice, you said so yourself. Everybody who went into the spring did so willingly, of their own volition. So, if you think about it, it's my choice. It's up to me. He takes his suit off, jumps into the forest field, it gets Patricia back. Oh, it was that easy, huh? And Robbie. And Chrissy. Oh, thank God. But here's the thing. You want to know what the whole secret sauce is? Everything Matt has done was out of love. Oh, yeah. Love. It's the only thing that is strong enough to defeat the demon's evil magic. And I know it sounds cliche. It's only because it is. All these people want to get into this club. They did so out of greed. Matt, he didn't want to be in this club. He just wanted his family. He did. And the next thing you know, Jessica explodes in a beam of light. And the family has returned to their house. And outside, sirens everywhere. The house is okay, but the country club burned to the ground. And everybody has no idea what happened. 
It's like, how did this club burn into the ground all of a sudden in the middle of the night? Huh. Hmm. He doesn't know. All he knows is everything's back to normal. Or, you know, what passes for normal around here. And that's the movie. That's the movie. And yes, it is incredibly cheesy. It's incredibly tacky. And it's incredibly 80s. But hey, for a movie about demons, what were you expecting? Yeah. And of course, it's from Wes Craven. So you get what you came for. Yep. A lot of demon worship and a story or two at the end. So how did this movie actually do? It was on Thursday night, May 24th of 1984. So literally the first day of the summer, as it were. Because everything else is in reruns. Except a new episode of The Duck Factory, previous entry The Duck Factory. So... Opposite Magnum P.I. and Simon and Simon reruns on CBS and Give Me a Break, Family Ties, Cheers, and The Duck Factory on NBC, it actually won the night. Oh, yeah, because obviously you have Susan Lucci, who's on maybe like one of the two biggest shows in daytime at the time in All My Children. It was probably like that in General Hospital, like top two. Love of the Afternoon. So this movie, Invitation to Hell, it did get a home video release thanks to Carlton. It can be streamed for free on YouTube thanks to FilmRise, who pretty much own 90% of everything you ever watched in your life right now. And it's on Tubi. Let's be honest. If it's purchased by FilmRise, it's going to wind up on Tubi. Because as we've established on the podcast, Tubi will air any old crap. True. Well, we were all into the demons on May when the season was over. But until we unearthed these demons, Invitation to Hell was just a thing on TV. Did they ever rerun this movie, you think? Probably. Maybe on Mm. cable at least. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. But remember, you can always go to our website over at itwasthingontv.com where you can listen to the 419 episodes that preceded this one. We've got all sorts of great bonuses there, including mini-sodes, live shows, extended versions of previous episodes, the whole works. And remember, we are on all social media, including Instagram, Threads, and Mastodon, over at itwasthingontv except for Facebook, where we were at It Was a Thing on TV Podcast. And remember, the podcast you listen to wherever fine podcasts we streamed anywhere. Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Audible, etc. And don't forget, we are on YouTube, where you can like and subscribe to our channel. And don't forget to hit the notification bell on YouTube to be informed of all future uploads on the channel, including what's coming up on the podcast next time. Well, Halloween is still going on, and well, Chico, you weren't here for Second Chance 1977. I wasn't. But you were here for Second Chance 1987. I was. And we will all be here for the final part of the Second Chance trilogy when we cover Second Chance 2016. Now, the first Second Chance from 77 was basically a quiz show with board game guts. The second Second Chance was basically, I'm dead, I'm back to life, I gotta figure out where I went wrong and correct myself. What could possibly be the impetus of this third Second Chance? I mean... Did Fox just Frankenstein a crime drama together or something? Yeah. Okay. But also, 
Okay. Now, imagine the Washington Nationals president's race, but with the personalities and pregame hosts for Monday Night Football. That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. I'm guessing it'll make sense once we talk about it. Yeah, and I'm sure Tony Kornheiser will stay up past his bedtime for the next two installments of It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you with those episodes next week. Wow! Oh, God, we're back. And Erica, you have control of the board. World Capitals for 300. It's called the City of Light. Paris. You're right. You're so very right. You, Jack, hello? Could you, could you speak up? I can't, I can't hear so well over here, from here. World Capitals for 600. Oh, okay. Argentina. Oh, Jack, I know the answer. It's Buenos Aires, Jack. Buenos Aires, Jack. It's that's the answer. Buenos Aries. Some members of our studio audience will receive Party Improver. Invite Party Improver to your next party and watch your party improve. And Tick Off. Simply the finest tick repellent money can buy. And Tick Away. It's chief competitor. And the home version of Game Breakers by Nintendo Entertainment Systems. Jack, back to you. Thank you, Don. We're back, and Erica still has control of the board, and she's about to make me the happiest man in the world. Will the bride and groom please join hands? She's the most fascinating woman I've ever seen. We're ready. Don't do this, Jack. She's only using you. If any man here knows any reason why these two should not be joined in holy matrimony, speak now. You have 15 seconds. I believe I have an objection. Yes. Mrs. Erica Kane, Martin, Brent, Cudahy, Chandler, Montgomery, Montgomery, Rayburn. I was... I was in town taping Circus of the Stars. I believe you've met my friends Siegfried and Roy. But it won't work. I'll have Erica Kane for my wife, and nothing and no one will stop me. Episode of Game Breakers. This is Don Pardo speaking. 